Greetings and welcome, fellow muggles, planeswalkers, goblins, humans, and whatever other shapeling type you or changeling type that you you are. Uh, you made it to the MTG Profits Podcast. This is episode forty-five. We're, we're glad to have you with us here. As always, we cover new Magic: The Gathering news. We give product reviews, and of course, with all everything with a special focus on the finance of Magic: The Gathering. We'll get buy and sell recommendations, uh, product pricing, and more. Uh, my name is Annie, and as always, I'm joined with my co-host here, Devin. Hey, everybody. So we're we're hot on the heels here of uh, more product. This uh, past weekend was uh, a big uh, event. Uh, Core 2020 is finally here. Yeah, boy, finally, huh? <laughs> I know you've been waiting about a week. I couldn't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like, holy cow. I Jeez. know. As we talked about before, the uh, product release cycle is like so impressive. It's like it's it's like too impressive. <laughs> so it, it is so intense, very it's relentless, crazy. and uh, I don't know how people keep track. Like I really don't know how people keep up, and I don't know how they I don't know how their wallets survive the devastation that is wrought upon them by Watsi. Like it's been very uh, vicious uh, mauling of your uh, personal finances when it comes to buying all this new product that's coming out. Absolutely, you know it's funny you should say that too because I. I um... It reminds me, I tried to, to trick the system a little bit, like, or see about it. So I was at Target the other day, and I was just looking around, and they, you know, they had, um, I think, some War of the Spark packs, and they had some Ravnica Allegiance packs, and I saw the uh, the Modern Horizon packs, oh. and I was like, oh, Modern Horizon. But there was no pricing on it. They're, oh. they were all just in the, the regular, you know, booster-looking packs. Were you hopeful? Uh, I was hopeful, <laughs> where it said, like, what three ninety nine or four ninety nine, whatever it was, and I was like, huh, mm. maybe maybe it's marked as four ninety nine or whatever. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> now technically, uh, Wizards has done away with MSRP, so in theory, they might price it wrong. So uh, I guess yeah. it, it could happen. It, it, it's quite possible, or like, at least huh. theoretically possible. <laughs> maybe I, I'll. Uh, so I looked around for one of the little price scanners. Yeah, and uh, like found one, it was broke, busted all up, and then eighty percent of the time, it's like they fail. Absolutely, and then horribly mangled by product not found or goblin. Uh, and, and so I, uh, I found one that worked, and of course, it did flash up uh, seven ninety nine. I think it was. Ah, uh, so like, oh, I still ended up going for it. Oh, <laughs> uh, did you? You couldn't. Resist. I was like, well, I'm like, I'll, I'll play the lottery. And uh, I went for it, and I what did I get? Oh, I got another um, Heliod's uh, what's it called? Heliod's crypt, Heliod's okay. something. It's the one where it, it returns a uh, enchantment back to your hand. Oh, 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 okay. Uh, great God. I got uh, all of Heliod's generosity. Okay. Say. Too bad. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't any herbs, I'll tell you that. Well, I, <laughs> I guess, I guess. But you know, it is a little bit of a gamble. It is a, a little bit of a lottery experience, and uh, it is. You know, I guess they call that the uh, the gambler's premium. So uh, you know, you're going to get shafted, yet you still do it anyway. So <laughs> absolutely, I, I feel I feel better wasting my money on that than a lottery ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that that's that is true. 
I know at least I'm getting something out of it. Something for it. Yeah, you know, it's funny you uh, you mentioned that. Like one of the uh, news items that I wanted to mention specifically deals with uh, the lottery aspect of certain, uh, in particular, digital platform games. And um, this has uh, come to a head as uh, some some actual congressional legislation has been uh, released, and it, they're actually referring to it as a loot box legislation. Okay. And uh, it specifically is uh, referencing the uh, essentially the the random more more uh, more gambling nature of uh, some of these things, uh, particularly loot boxes in some of these games, like uh, I don't know, like CS:GO and um, I guess um, like Overwatch and all these kinds of things. Uh, sure, sure. You know yeah. where you can uh, you can purchase loot boxes and. Uh, and apparently, it's a it's a it's a common thing, you know, Apex Legends, Absolutely, Fortnite, yeah. and all these uh, all these things. And um, so apparently, the uh, loot box, the anti loot box legislation is geared specifically towards digital product. So okay. I don't think it would uh, impact uh, Magic the Gathering per se, um, or the at least the physical cards, but theoretically could could impact the digital format. Because its um, its its primary goal is to essentially ban the sale of uh, gambling style product to anyone under eighteen online. Okay. So sort of uh, which Magic the Gathering booster packs kind of fall into that. Yeah. Um, into that, I guess, milieu or genre, so to sure. speak, of a product that you're sort of gambling for. Yeah. And um, so there's some, I guess, uh, concern on among the uh, the Reddits that uh, that, that may uh, come and impact uh, Wizards. And, and you know, in my mind, I think it could probably, you know, everybody's freaking out. Everybody's like, you know, they're having a, it's like a big panic fest, and they're like, yeah. oh my god, this is the end of the, this is the end of days. The end of days is upon us, suddenly. Oh. You know, but. Um, you know, in reality, I think what would probably end up happening is that wizards would end up having to be more clear about the odds of getting certain cards in sure. these, uh, you know, booster packs or blister packs or loot boxes, so to speak. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, because now they don't have to disclose any of that. So... And uh, which is sort of a, you know, historically speaking, if you go back in time, you remember the, uh, oh gosh, do you remember the box mappers and how there was uh, oh, sort of yeah. like a, an underground community of Magic the Gathering players and collectors where they would, they would team up and uh, they would crack all their boxes and, um, and crack all these packs. And once they started cracking enough, they could figure out Wizards track mapping and uh, mm -hmm. essentially have a way to determine what cards were going to be opened in what packs. And yep. um, that was effective. It did work. They have sort of gone underground. It's still happening to this day, I would assume. Um, I know its heyday was sort of around the time of um, seemingly like around the Theros time. There was a lot okay. of box mapping going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. I remember you could even buy apps for your phone and stuff that would help you uh, bo map the boxes and the packs and all that. But um, at that time, it was determined, uh, essentially definitively, that there were 
five printing tracks that wizards would use. So they would use uh, A, B, C, D, and I believe E. So it was either A through D or A through E. So they would have uh, with the, which with which they would print their rares on. So okay. effectively, had four to five rare sheets, and um, the final track would be printed at a higher rate. So the I believe it was the D track or the E track was uh, printed at a 20% higher rate of frequency than the rest of them. Okay. And, of course, all the garbage rares were on the final track. Sure. So, you know, essentially, Into the Wild, and to 20, 20% of all booster, uh, or of all booster packs, would there would be a, a 20% increased odds of getting the garbage rare that you didn't want. Okay. okay. And to top it off, then they would pick one or two rares that they would print even more of. So that sort of skewed the results even more. So those were things that were that were essentially discovered and proven to be the case. And uh, based on the box mapping and people had uh, yeah. essentially determined all that very specifically. So sure. it um, so essentially, I think that if they would have this sort of loot box legislation go through, I think all the odds would have to be disclosed. So I think okay. it would be like the odds of you getting your uh, Liliana or your Chase or your Urza or your you know your your Chase Mythic or your Chase Rare. Yeah, yeah. It would have to be um, exactly. It would be listed as you know, for example, one out of every seventy-two packs or one out of every thirty yeah. packs or one out of every. I think they would have to sort of disclose those numbers if that loot box legisla legislation went through, if they wanted to continue selling packs to anyone under a the age of 18, okay. which there probably are a substantial amount of Magic the Gathering players that are under the age I of 18. I think so, yeah. So, and, I mean, they definitely seem to be pushing down the, uh, the uh, recommended age. I mean, realistically, the game historically was, has been a 13 and up kind of thing. And, um, you know, as we've seen with the, uh, the reduction in the art quality and I would say the art, uh, probably, uh, what's depicted on the art has definitely become much more PG rated or even G rated. Absolutely. Um, I think they're, uh, they're trying to get, you know, now I think they're, they're really after the eight plus community, you know, it's yeah. like, Oh my goodness, we need more younger kids playing this. So, well, yeah, you got to groom ex next generation. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it, so, keep uh, it sort of I think the, like you said that too, like I, I could see that, you know, the legislation, but uh, first off, it's probably going to take a while for anything to actually happen. And B, like you said, it would probably just end up resulting in more just warnings and just disclaimers. Yeah. A hard stop. <laughs> exactly. They'll, they'll figure out a way around it. But um, it'll be curious to see, you know. And that kind of seems to be the trend nowadays, to have these kind of loot boxes. Like you said, all those different uh, online games Every have them. All your little phone app games have these kind of things. Uh, it's pretty commonplace. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more later, but even Magic... Arena has uh, something to that uh, uh, as well. So, um, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's it's a new trend in, in gaming, I would say. Yeah, it's the, the maximum milking of the customer, essentially. <laughs> Absolute but, you know, milking. <laughs> not by providing a better product or better content, but by forcing them to return and continuously buy. Absolutely. So, you know, maximum engagement for maximum wallet raping. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
the, uh, the the yeah the the micro transaction to death. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Or uh, or I guess really what they call it kind of falls under that whole uh, pay to play. Yes, that is exactly right. And uh, you know it's funny because the um, the loot box legislation is specifically uh, uh, apparently part of the uh, the gambling nature of it, but also the strong pay to win. Components. Hey, you win. That's the yeah, yeah, yeah. These um, these uh, these things are so egregious. These uh, like these clash of clans and things of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. Candy Crush and all this sort of stuff. It's like, well, you could just grind away at it, or you could pay a little extra money to, you know, speed it up or get more resources or whatever. Exactly. And that's how you exactly. Yeah, it's a pretty vicious model. Uh, it, it is. It <laughs> is. Consumer. <laughs> you know, I, I saw a video the other day that talked specifically. It was at a developer conference, and it was uh, like on YouTube and everything. And and uh, it was. It, they were specifically talking about how to lure in your customer base, and <laughs> um, and and it was like you give them a good a good early deal. And, uh, and so, for example, that Magic the Gathering the Online does this, the hook where they, they give you like 3,000 gems for $5, right? Yeah. And they say, oh, okay, that's the hook. You, you, it's, it's such a deal that you'd be a fool to pass it up. Yeah. But the trick is to actually make them pay something for it. So yep. you can't give it away because they have to pay something because then they're financially invested even exactly. a small amount into the product. And then you start to play all sorts of games with them about uh, show them what something should cost, but then offer it at a reduced price, mm -hmm. you know, make them come mm -hmm. back for more for sort of frequent engagement. And, um, and that's what the new, uh, I think you were going to talk about a little bit. The, um, well, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll uh, jump on in, but uh, yeah. So speaking of uh, arena, I mean, there's some changes lately. We, we kind of talked a little bit about it last week. I think about the updates to arena, but um you know they're they're here. Core 2020 is here in Arena. You can play the sealed, uh, sealed matches and things of that. Uh, I did play a little bit of that, and uh, 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 I think my first first round of it uh, went horribly bad uh, after my opponent uh, pulled out a Chandra Inferno and just prepared to uh, disintegrate me instantly on that one. <laughs> oh, no. uh, but anyway, it is there, so you can get up the, get those new cards. Uh, but with that has come the, the mastery system, which um, I guess just to sum that all up, so before we used to have uh, basically your daily quests. So you'd have daily quests that are active, you complete your quest, you would get gold, uh, you could spend that gold however on packs or uh, draft or whatever. Uh, and those would have certain, uh, they would change every 24 hours, so you could get a new quest, and you could potentially go through those pretty quickly and, and get uh, earn yourself boosters and, and uh, more gold for that. So that was a fine system, and so now they changed all that, and they added this mastery system, which is based on experience points. So now when you play matches, you earn experience. And you have a track, basically an experience track, where so much experience, and this is from winning matches, gets you rewards. And you can grind through the track and do that, but there are maximums. So basically you can earn a maximum of 1,000 experience points a, uh, a day. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's 1,000 is one level. 
And there is, I believe, 100 levels uh, is the initial track. Um, or you can kind of shortchange the system a little bit and buy this Mastery Pass, which it gives you bonus experience and bonus rewards as you go up the track. So it gives you additional boosters and promotional uh, uh card skins and sleeves and whatever else and additional gems as, as you earn experience points and go through that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's 3,400, I believe, gems for the, to buy the pass. And you can buy that at any point during the season, which would be, which will count until the next official set is released. Uh, so you could theoretically, you know, buy it the day before the end and still collect all of the rewards that happened during that. Uh, yeah, it sort of backfills your reward uh, yeah. for you. So you can track along and see, you know, and then decide at the end to purchase. Yeah, so there's, there's that option. Uh, one thing people noted about that that I thought was kind of a good point was it still doesn't t- take into the kind of the opportunity cost of that. So, Absolutely. You know, you could... You know, you might get it all at the end, but that has also cost you the ability to play with whatever new cards or uh, skins or whatever during that time, which may have affected your play or your wins or whatever. So there's that. Uh, the other big point, too, is that even if you grind away with the system, you will not be able uh physically or, or theoretically able to actually get to the final level because... The number of days will not allow you to. I, I believe the the maximum you can get is only to level seventy if you you ground all the way through. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Wizards has addressed this by saying there's going to be additional events and promotional things that will be able to boost you up additional levels. So they'll, they'll compensate for the, the amount of time. Uh, but that's still an unknown, mm-hmm. and none of those have been actually disclosed or or fully explained. Um, so there's that. And I, I think the, the biggest thing, though, is that people are complaining about the just the system in general. So now you're going to have to grind through this mastery system, which is limiting the amount of rewards you can gain uh, and putting on you on this self-imposed track. So, you know, normally you could have, uh, you know, you could you basically be able to play less time and earn and still earn rewards. This actually will force you to play more to earn the awards. Yeah, I read the uh, breakdown where it was something like you you could theoretically just play and win 15 games and you'd get your three packs per week on the old yep. on the old way, but now it's like instead of 15 you end up having to play like 21 games or you'd have to win 21 games to get the similar amount and it would require you to log in 7 days. So you exactly have to log in every single day. You need to play every day if you want to get all the rewards yeah. and win. It comes back to that uh, player engagement where they want to force force you to play each day to so it becomes so it becomes a habit, you know, like a Absolutely. Like, like a drug, I guess, you know. Yeah. First you try it. The first crack rock is free. Free. You know, and, <laughs> and then after that you pay and uh, you you keep coming back for more. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you know this this you know like I said, if you're just a casual person who only plays once or twice a week, or if you're the the weekend warrior who only plays on weekends or whatever, 
you know, you're kind of out of luck on on this. Getting screwed really hard. Yeah, yeah you're not going to be able to get these rewards uh, unless you pay for them, and even then, you still might not get as much. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, you know, honestly, first off, if whether should you buy the the pass or not, you know, of course, if you if you do the breakdown and itemize everything. Yeah, it, it does. It is more cost efficient to buy the pass than if you were to buy those things individually. However, you know, a lot of those things on the reward tracks are are just kind of customizations. You know, they're things that suck basically. Yeah, they're things that suck. They're just yeah. sleeves. They're different skins for your cards or the the little I forget what they call it, but it's the parallax effect yeah. on thing. Yeah. It's the stained glass windows. It's it's just more visual goodies. It's it's not actual things that are going to get you more cards or, you know, really overall affect your, your game experience or, or, or winning yeah. potential. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to put a dollar value on garbage like that. I consider it a zero dollar value personally, but, but people, I guess, do like it. So for some, your results may vary. If you love the uh, customization, you may be like, whoa, 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 what the hell are you talking about this? This mastery track is awesome. Yeah, yeah so cool. Uh, I, I can't imagine many people thinking that way, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. And Wizards knows what they're doing, and oh, I know they know what they're doing as far as yeah, like, they're master. Uh, you know, masters at uh, ripping the money out of your wallet. They have a, a control wallet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cast continuously. <laughs> exactly. Um. But every, I mean, every, then every I guess upkeep wizards opens your wallet. <laughs> yeah, discard one dollar bill. <laughs> uh, like, uh, but I mean, I guess if you have a ton of gems that you got through drafting or whatever, you know, maybe you want to waste it. it uh, Twenty bucks, get your mastery pass. You know, and then the thing is, like, each time it resets. How often is is, is that going to be? Every time something gets released, is that? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. That's what I gathered too. It's like, oh my god, so. That means, uh, imagine for the sake of argument, you would have already been through two mastery tracks, one with uh, War of the Spark and one with uh, Modern Horizons in just like the last seemingly month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're on to M2020, and uh, soon that's going to be over. Yeah. So, uh, wowee. It's, uh, so that, now, I believe it, it, the 3,400 gems, I think, works out to, what, 20 bucks? Is that right? Something like that, yeah. So that'd be like 20 bucks every month like at this rate. Or at least at current rate. At least, yeah. 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 And that may change depending on how quickly the products are released, but they don't seem to be slowing down on that at all. No, no. So, yeah, I guess our, our recommendation would be to pass on the pass yeah. uh, unless you're really dedicated to it and you want all those little free knickknacks. And, oh, and, of course, the um, the little fire cat. Um, uh, what do they call it? Uh familiar or whatever who's going to show up on your screen and okay little little cough of fireballs or whatever um so yeah not not a great a great change for that um you know if you're just a casual player it, it's probably not going to have a huge impact on you yeah. but um uh, just i don't know once again it's it's kind of doing a, a direction of paying more to, to get more. Uh, yeah, it's frustrating. But I, I guess they they got to make their cash too. And they got to, I think the Wizards is really trying hard to figure out a way to make as much money as possible and in a sustainable way so that they can transition as many people as they can away from physical more to digital. So yeah. just try to figure out a way to monetize that more effectively. So. And uh, speaking of, uh, of, of, 
cash and, and wallet uh, suction. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a couple of quick facts continuing about uh, uh, Arena and Hasbro in general. Just some, some stats for you. So uh, they estimated about 3 million active users on Arena, which is a pretty sizable number. Uh, getting as far as money wise, uh, just from Magic the Gathering brand, this is both the, the tabletop digital versions, 2.45 billion in net revenue last year. So huge number on these Magic cards that they're they're cashing in on. Now is that that included? Um, that was cards and board games. Is that correct? Tabletop and digital. Okay. I think they specifically muddle the mixture, so to speak, on that number because they they don't want investors to be able to exactly figure out how much money is coming from Magic and how much money is coming from the board games. So they Absolutely. they intentionally group those things together, whereas any sane person would separate them. They intentionally mm-hmm. hide the amount of money that Magic brings in. So. The um, I think the way they worded it in the uh, in the release was a significant amount of income <laughs> comes from Magic the Gathering. I believe is how it was worded, mm-hmm. so, without getting specific into the numbers of how much Magic generates. But uh, it's a safe bet that they're not selling that many Monopoly boards. Uh, I think yeah, <laughs> it's a safe bet. You know, yeah. And when you they, think about that, you're like, well, you know, okay, a Monopoly. What's a game of Monopoly cost? Eleven bucks. What's a single fat pack cost? Or I should say bundle box, not fat pack. <laughs> I don't want yeah. to get a politically incorrect after uh, Yeah, watch out. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, Monopoly is pack. not uh, competing with that yeah. uh, anyway. <laughs> they're money maker any longer. No, no. They estimate that uh, Magic's already brought in about $500 million this year. So it's cranking through the, the cash here. They're printing their money. Uh, also, they say you know there's been growth of the arena. Uh, people averaging about eight hours of weekly play a person and spending seventy five dollars annually on gems. Um, okay, so people are buying the gems. Um, I will say I haven't really done too much of that yet myself. I I, ref- I'm, I try to refrain from doing that. I, absolutely, I'm more a purchaser of physical product than digital product. So. And I, I could see the appeal to the digital product, the, 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 the ease of collection, the ease of storage, you know, they become non-issues, you know. Exactly. There is some great convenience with that. Yeah, sure is. I just don't know how I trust Wizards to ferry and, and I guess, uh, be a custodian of my digital product. And my, so I, I, I am very reluctant to put any substantial amount of money into that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um what else? So they estimate that Arena is growing, uh, expecting Arena to grow from 3 million to 11 million users by 2021. Uh, so that's giant growth there. That is giant growth. A couple growth. Of years here. So they're yeah. expecting a lot more non-Magic players to start playing Magic. I don't know how effective that's going to be. I don't know how lucky they're going to be in that. That seems a little a little it, it, it ag- does. aggressive. I mean, because what do they say? There's 12 million active Magic players worldwide, right? 12 yep. million physical card. So they're saying they're expecting essentially every single person to play. That's not really, I think, what they're saying. I think what they're saying is they're going to get a whole bunch of people that don't play Magic to start playing on Arena. 
And Absolutely. Um, I, I don't know if I would agree with that. I think the game might be a little too complex for a casual a casual online game player to enjoy. I think like you can get some fun out of it, but once mm-hmm. you start like playing like anybody who knows how to play and they spank the hell out of you multiple times and all you do is get spanked all day by people doing instants and, you know, things not on their turn that a new player would be like, whoa, this is weird and confusing. And online, it's sometimes harder to understand exactly what's happening, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. It's difficult. I think it's easier with physical cards to, to, to backtrack and be like, oh, you know, if you're teaching someone to play, you're like, well, this is how the stack works. It's, the, this one goes on top first, and then you pull this one off, and then it happens, and the, the yeah. first effect still takes place, but if there's no target for it, like that stuff is sort of easier to explain in real life. But even then, it's not the easiest thing to understand. Uh, you know. Uh, so I think it can be off-putting to a new player, but I Absolutely. also think that's why they're trying to dumb it down a little bit, too. The mechanics are getting mm-hmm. easier. They're trying to appeal to a more mass market group. So you know, maybe it'll be so easy to play and less interactive that they'll they'll that it'll it will be doable i don't know you know i, I don't know we'll, we'll have to see i mean we've seen instances where the where the game has gotten uh they've they've specifically dumbed down certain cards like um the uh the example i'm thinking of is the ajani's pride mate where mm-hmm. it used to be a may effect you may gain one life Yep. But now it's just you gain one life. Yeah. So it's like you don't choose. It's like they're taking away like choice. Not that that's mm-hmm. a big deal in some cases, but yeah. in some cases it is, you know. So they're trying to simplify gameplay and streamline, I think, gameplay to make it easier for new players, um, you know, just to, to get into. So who knows, by two years from now, maybe maybe a lot of the cards will be uh, just easy to understand. Simplified. You know, yeah. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that's one of the kind of failings of Magic is that it – it's become too complex of a game. I mean, it always was somewhat complicated. And, you know, if you look at the the official rules and look at the tournament rules and all this sort of stuff, it is very intense. I mean, there is so many rules and and the stack and this and that and different game states and all this kind of thing. It's it's really overwhelming. And it's, I I think unless you're really a professional that it's just going to be a difficult for, I think so. I think it's. I think it's not. I. I don't think it's a game that appeals to too many casuals. Let me put it that way. I don't think that it's something that a casual player would install on their computer and play and get hooked into it without someone teaching them how to play. I just don't. I just don't see that happening all that no. well. No, but to, to counter that, I think some people have done it the right way. I.e., Hearthstone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think Although they made a game that games, people yeah. can digest. Uh, yeah, it's it's more it's more bite size. There's less interaction. You're not doing things on the other person's turn really at all, nope. you know. And um, you know, similar to Pokemon, similar to Hearthstone, you know, it's like you're you're there's minimal interaction. It's all the level of interactions and the ability to interact that makes Magic both a fun game but also makes it a complicated game. Absolutely. So and and Hearthstone to give you some ideas too is is you know, it has destroyed magic as far as the online aspect of it, where Hearthstone has an estimated 70 million to 80 million registered users and earns annual revenue of more than 600 million. I saw that. Yeah. That, that, so, oh, yeah. In the digital space, Hearthstone is the clear winner. It is the king, you know. Yeah. Like, 
So they've they've done a good job. They uh, there's no reason that Magic shouldn't have been in that position. I think, but they really screwed the pooch so bad, so early, and so often that uh, they they wow. they just took to way too long to get up and running. And Hearthstone ate a lot of their lunch. Got a lot on that. Absolutely. So. Yeah, they, they've, uh, and of course it doesn't help too, you know, the problems like that are plaguing Arena. I guess I, I just heard about this one about uh, after the M20 release, there was people complaining about a big performance drop. Uh, I heard that you had you had mentioned that. Yeah, yep. yeah. People said that, you know, overall performance is slower and certain cards, if you played them, could take anywhere from 30 seconds to three minutes to, to process. Whoa! Uh, uh, yeah. Cow. Apparently, this, you know, some of them were some of the planeswalkers, like Liliana, the Dreadhorde General, uh, and Tamio, Collector of Tales. Uh, it would just kind of lock up for a while. And, wow! Holy I, I've cow. played, you know, Core Twenty Twenty. Uh, I haven't really played with a whole lot of planeswalkers, but uh, so I, I haven't noticed any sort of slowdowns or problems. But you know, it's it's possible. Golly. And, you know, it, it, maybe it depends on your computer as well. So maybe what happens is if someone's playing somebody else that has, like, a, like a, a serious potato machine that, that really just takes yeah. forever to process, and, and then you're on the other end waiting and waiting, thinking, good Lord, why is this happening? Who knows? Although, honestly, that's me giving Wizards a pass. And I am of the opinion that Wizards has probably screwed that up somehow. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I really like, especially when you have things that had been running well before and all of a sudden they're not running well, I would normally think, oh, let's give them a pass, but not in this case. Wizards probably screwed something up, mm-hmm. you know. And they probably would never admit it either. It would probably be like, probably be like oh. stock quality. We can't admit that our stuff is sucking, so uh, we're just going to pretend that it doesn't exist and... Uh, let the people on Reddit defend us. <laughs> it's funny how how rabid the uh, Reddit the Reddits are when it comes to uh, support for Watsi and everything Watsi does. Yeah. Like, it's really a strange thing, you know. Normally, it's like the hate flows freely on Reddit and all these places, you know. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, Wizards has like some of the most rabid pro Wizards fans, and yeah. to the point where you're like, wow, this is so illogical. Why do you love this so much? It's, um, yeah. It's a really strange thing. I, I I'm not quite sure how or why, but uh, definitely seems the case. Uh, I I don't know. I really don't understand it. It's don't sort of like it's sort of like some plants. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a self-flagellation. You you wonder. You're like, oh yeah. You you get these people that like to beat themselves, and you're like, what's the fun in that, dude? Why would you do that? You know, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. Try to wrap your head around it, but. I just don't think that way. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> some no. things are not meant for me to understand. Some people have invested so much in it, there's no going back. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I will say that my I, I did participate in the pre-release this past uh, weekend for the Core 2020. Yeah. And there was no uh, performance problems there, except uh, my team's performance. Uh, I did a, a, um, a two-headed giant event. Oh, good. And um, I got uh, got a pretty decent pool, both me and my partner. Uh, we ended up going. I was green, green black, and my partner was white black. Okay. Uh, you know, pretty good cards. Uh, probably the uh, the the big the big winner. Big big cards uh, I had that were good were the Villas Broker of Blood, the big demon, the eight eight Ooh. demon. Nice. Uh, Vivian Arcbow Ranger. Oh, who good. every time I played her, she got countered. 
So I oh. never actually successfully played her. <laughs> oh. uh, and um, the other big one, which did win us, well, contributed to our wins, uh, was one of the new Hydras. The, um, the one that doubles. You can choose either to double or fight when he comes into play, double his okay. counters or fight. Nice. Uh, and he, he did come to uh, uh, crush down some, some opponents. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, so we our, our first game we we played against essentially a team I call him a team Hodor uh, with a <laughs> big guy who looked like Hodor from Game of Thrones and and Bran his ten uh, year old spunky uh, sidekick. Yeah, Hodor did not have a, quite the grasp of what was going on, but his. His, uh, his his small sidekick did and uh, was able to, to guide him. And we said, you know, when we were playing, there's no way we should lose this one. <laughs> and, of course, I said, as soon as you said that, we're going to lose this one. Oh. And we did. Oh. Uh, turn one, um, old Hodor uh, dropped um, uh, the, um, the new... Uh, Eben of the what is it? Eben of the uh, Eben Eben Hand Order of the Eben Hand. Um, oh, the new reprint thing. Yeah, he's yeah. not a he's not a reprint. He's a he's a brand yeah. new guy. Um, it's the pro white one though, right? No, no, no. This is the one where um, you uh, he's like Death Touch. Uh, I'll tell you, um, it is Knight of the Eben Legion. Excuse me. Okay. He's one black mana. He's a one-two creature. Pay two colors, one black. He gets plus three, plus three, and gains dust touch until end of turn. And at the beginning of your end step, if a player lost four or more life this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on him. Wow, he's only one mana. Wow. For one mana. So Hordor played him turn one. Oh, played God. a second one turn two. Whoa! <laughs> that guy started cracking... Uh, he got started getting counters on him fairly quickly. Yeah, because on turn three he could pump him, pump one of the, ho- the one of the Eben things up. Yeah, and then yeah. you're doing, and then they're both getting plus one, plus one counters each turn. Absolutely, like for the rest of the game. Yep, yep. So uh, we were able to keep the the knights at bay, but the problem was we had a a big flyer, and we could just not draw any removal, and we died. Even though we had plenty of removal. Just couldn't draw it. Just couldn't get to it. Yep. Uh, that but, does happen. Yeah. Does happen. So second game, we we crushed it down. The the Hydra did some crushing. Um third game we got a buy. And then the fourth game we just ran right through the other people. We actually pulled off the um well it's one of the new cards. It's the, the white Loxodon, the Loxodon Life Chanter. Yeah, yeah. So he gets he did his second ability where he you pay five colorless, one white. He gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is your life total. Well, two headed giant, and you're already Ooh, starting off with thirty. Thirty. If you're like in you know <laughs> even at a relatively high amount, and he gets through, it's, it's game over. <laughs> That's great, <laughs> and That's he did. spectacular. Oh, but he cracked it down bad. within like the first, you know pretty early in the game and. <laughs> It was over. Oh, my. Oh, my. That's yes. Of course, truth be told, our, our opponents were struggling a little bit for mana, and uh, they just weren't drawing any good things. But anyway, so it was fine. The pre-release was fine. I will give one 
one, maybe two compliments to, to Wizards on their, their pre-release this time. So in the past, you know, they've been doing these little tie-ins to Arena where you could get a uh, uh, an Arena code as part of the pre-release, which gives you free packs yep. on Arena. And what they did in the past was they had that code on a token card. So there would be a token you know, zombie or whatever on one side of the card and on the other side would be the code. So it was very easy to... Like to lose it. Yeah, to lose it or not even realize you even got the code. This time they have the, the code side and on the other side is a quick summary of how to play a turn of magic. Okay. It definitely stands out a lot more. more. This is not a token. This is you something, know, else. something else. That's a good um, idea. Yeah, so I thought that was good. It comes with a little little booklet here about um, b- how to build your pre-release deck. So if you have no clue whatsoever, uh, <laughs> it, it gives you a little thing about how many creatures to include, uh, how many spells, and how much land. Okay. So that's kind of nice. So yeah. it, it definitely makes it a little bit yeah. easier for people. Yeah, I think that's that's good. that's warranted because I think that's the kind of thing where you might want to know. Yeah, because I so. mean, there's probably you know it probably doesn't happen a whole lot, but I'm sure every now and then there's somebody who's you know either you know a very uh, complete beginner or or just you know has only played a couple games. Yeah, the the or relative played beginner. a pre-release. Yep. Nice. I like that. Yeah. So some yeah. minor improvements. Something Wizards uh something Wizards did right. Yeah, yeah, every now and then <laughs> it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Since no good turn uh can go unanswered, we I have something that they maybe didn't do right relatively recently. Have you ever um watched any of the Ether Hubs videos? I, I've heard of it but I have not watched them. At least um, not my memory. He does uh, a lot of uh, MTG lore videos, and okay. uh, so he doesn't really talk about. Uh, he really doesn't talk about product per se, other than how it relates to lore. And he's, he has some really very good, um, good lore videos. Okay. And uh, it was one of the one of the I want to say top six magic. Well, I don't know. Uh, he's he's a, he's a, he's up there when it comes to magic YouTubers as far as okay. subscribers. So I think he has like sure. 75,000 or something, 70, 72 or 75,000 subscribers, which is a decent amount of subscribership. And yeah, um, absolutely. So, and, uh, you know, a very non-political dude. He doesn't tend to aggravate people cause he just talks about the lore and stuff. So he's not like Rudy where people hate him and, you know, he's not like, uh, uh what's the other guy that does the, the rogue deck builder where people are constantly ragging on him too. But any, anyway, so, he, yeah. he just does lore videos, and sure. um, at one point he had uh, they. Apparently, what they would do is uh, wizards would feed him a um, uh, a promo card or whatever, or a preview card, and he would preview the card and then talk sure. about the lore, and do all this sort of stuff. And um, so, at one point, he uh, he had asked wizards, "What did he say? Let me see if I can find the exact post." Um, so, he, so in a, in, in a sense, he. He wasn't he wasn't getting the preview card and he wasn't getting yeah. any response from wizards which was atypical and um so he so he kept he kept rattling the tree and 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 finding uh you know finding that nobody was responding to him and 
and apparently then uh, he, he figured out why. And um, at one point in one of his tweets, he had he had mentioned that uh, let's see. He had mentioned that, uh, and it was, and it was, I can't find the exact thing. Essentially, I'll paraphrase here. He had said, sure, um, sure. could Wizards please, um, you know, uh, God, how do you word it? It was something to the effect of, we're getting a little tired of the, of the same Planeswalkers. Could we see something a little bit different? And it was very, like, nicely worded. It wasn't like... You know, it didn't have like a, a mean tone to it or anything. Yeah, I, I think this sounds familiar. I think I read this or watched the the video about yeah. it. Yeah, and so apparently, so so apparently, when he finally did get a hold of someone at um, at uh, or he had talked about how anyway, anyway, so he when he finally did get a hold of somebody at Wizards, um, he he was like, oh, I've been having a hard time getting a hold of you, you know. Uh, I'd like to discuss card previews for the channel. Could you point me in the direction, in the correct direction, if it pleases you? And then, uh, was he got he got one response, and uh, he he says um, the response from Wizards was uh, from some guy named Blake. Uh, or not. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw this. Uh, yeah, doesn't sound like you're terribly interested in the set this the set theme. So maybe we'll send you something in the future. So, you know, this guy's level of frustration had bubbled over to the point where he's like, look, all I'm doing is advertising for you for free, doing stuff, you know, that that really very few people are doing. And you're going to crap on me for for some sort of small thing about how we're getting tired of the same, you know, planeswalkers that we've seen. You know, yeah. we'd like to see something different. So he completely shut his channel down now. And uh, wow. he, he converted over to, uh, I guess, to Pokemon lore or something instead of, uh, instead of uh, magic. So he was like, wow. it, was, it was just, I think it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Essentially. Sure, sure. He had been saying how it's been, it's been frustrating him for some time. I thought it was like, oh, God, wizards. You know, every once in a while I read these stories and, and see like, like when they tried to shut the guy down that was running tournaments in his local library for the kids. And they were like, no, you can't do that. It's not a wizard sanctioned location. And he was like, it's the library for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I don't know if that was that, that. It's like these kinds of stories where you're just like, what are they thinking? You know, they spend all this money doing ridiculous things, bringing people in that don't play magic to promote the game. And then yeah. you have like, then you have hardcore fans who love the game and they're like emissaries for the game and you turn it all over them and rub their face in it, you know? Yeah. And you're like, you yeah. know, or even, even way back in the day with like the cosplayers, like the Christine Sprankel and like that whole mess where, mm-hmm. you know, she was doing all that work for free, essentially advertising for them for free. They never paid her anything, you know? Yeah. And it's like, why wouldn't you pay someone who is like doing a, a bang up job like yep. cosplaying your characters, which is exactly what you want people to do. You know? It doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. like you pay that person $5,000 a quarter, they are going to be like a diehard for you. And, and you know, it's like, and the, the tiny, tiny amount they would have to pay for the huge financial benefit that they would get out of that. Absolutely. It, it's like immeasurable. And yet they don't. 
You know, they'll give some guy that doesn't even play Magic, they'll give a Hearthstone streamer 75k per year to stream, you know, two hours of Magic, you know, mm-hmm. every two hours of Magic every month. And you're like, oh my goodness, it just doesn't make any sense. No. It's frustrating and, and maddening at the same time. So. It, it it is it really it's really frustrating to to see that and you, you have these people who are spokesmen basically for you uh, of their own accord and then you treat them like that and yeah it, it's just the opposite of what you do you need to cultivate these these uh you know these these mega fans essentially but i'm sure you've seen it in the business world too that a lot of decisions gets gets made get made at companies that make absolutely no sense it, it does happen, but I will say this seems somewhat, I don't want to say unique, but in most organizations, your best customers are the ones that you make sure you try to treat well. You'll yeah. do a little something special for them. You'll go a little out of your way. You'll let them slide a little bit if they don't do what they're supposed to do, you know, versus the person that you've never seen as a, as mm-hmm. a customer. Uh, it's like it's so weird how they treat their 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 uh, their their emissaries and the, the people that are just diehard fans of the game. Yeah, it's so yeah. strange to me, and I just don't understand why they do things like this. Yeah. No one would, it, with any sense, would think that the way they treat their biggest fans makes any sense at all. It's so yep. strange. Yep. So Un- unbelievable. Wild. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. But I guess it may be uh, time to move on to our market segment briefly here. And yeah, so I think you had items. some things to talk about, uh, selling and boxes and whatnot. I do <laughs> the, uh, I've been uh, paying attention to eBay as as, as for my usual uh, selling location, and uh, the box prices are just going crazy. And uh, it, it's one of these things where the prices just seem to keep going up. And it's strange because I feel like they're, I feel like they're busting past their glass ceiling for a lot of these uh, sealed sealed boxes. And okay. in my personal opinion, when I see these things, it's like you think in your mind, like, oh, it's just going to keep going up forever. You know, where that's not necessarily the case. There is a point where, sure. you know, these things will sort of reach a capitulation point and stop rising. But um, I am of the opinion that um, it is time to sell several of these of these okay. products and um in particular so so uh, of special note the uh some of the boxes that have been languishing really hard the uh the limited print run masters 25 and the iconic mm. master these boxes are now uh, as uh, the the lowest price you can get is uh is about 2 what is it 20 about 200 bucks for an iconic masters box and um, about 205 for a Masters 25, the lowest price okay. available on eBay. Apparently what had happened was um, a large buying group bought up almost all the available Masters 25 boxes that were under $200. So wow. when one would go on sale, boop, it would disappear from both TCG Player and uh, eBay. So all the uh, sub-$200 hmm. boxes of Masters 25 are essentially gone, creating a, essentially an artificial floor for that product. That product sure. probably will not drop below 200 forever, you know, or for the foreseeable okay. future at this point. 
Now, those limited print run boxes, I'm a little more likely to hold on to. So okay. those guys, the Masters 25 and the Iconic Masters, I still think, and of course the uh, the Ultimate Masters, the, the king of the king of those boxes, which is about 400 now, is the cheapest. Sure. Um, those I do think do have some room to run, but I wouldn't fault you if you bought one for 140 and sold it for 205. Yeah. But w- what I'm definitely interested in selling and and am selling myself are the um, the summer sets, the, the okay. recent summer sets, which are Battle Bond, which is the most recent summer set, yep. and um, Conspiracy Two. Okay. So the Battle Bond boxes, the cheapest you can get is uh, 180 bucks. Okay. And for being released not that long ago, I want to say that was last year in August, if I remember correctly. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not talking a whole lot of time. We've talked. We're yeah. talking. 100% you know price appreciation in less than a year's time. Wow. So I I will be putting my, my battle boxes up or battle bond boxes up for sale probably within the week and um I'm hoping to generate about 180 a piece for those. Nice. And um same for the conspiracy twos. Those things are above 215 now. The cheapest conspiracy take the crown box you can get is 215 bucks. Wow. So so again, summer series, but a little mm-hmm. bit older. But boy, those things were fire sale prices years ago, and they are just cracking wow. now. That's amazing. So uh, I sold mine uh, a while ago for I don't I don't remember exactly now, like one sixty something, I think. Yeah, not bad if you got it at a good price. It only just depends on the price you get in. You know, we've talked about that before. But, yeah. Um, I think I've sold a couple of boxes. I'm just, I have just one left of, of that, which I probably will be putting up for sale pr- pretty soon because I know I paid in the 60s for those. So if I can get like 200 and something out of that, uh, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The last one that I recommend selling, which is also a mass box uh, printing, was uh, the Kaladesh boxes. Kaladesh oh. boxes are uh, selling for 180 Wow. Um, pretty high price point for a mass-produced product. And um, so Kaladesh, and I believe the Ether Revolt as well, is a similar price. I think the Ether Revolt is maybe 169 or something, mm. so, 170s. But um, for a re- relatively recently released product, I feel that's a pretty good, a pretty good sale price. So, sure. So those are, those are my box recommendations. Keep an eye on your Masters boxes, your Iconic boxes. Those are still continuing to climb. Um, but uh, I, I like selling the uh, Kaladesh boxes and the Summer Magic, the um, the uh, Conspiracy Two and the Battle Bonds. Battle Bonds. Yeah. Very nice. So drop those boxes. Yeah, they're they're just climbing, and and I you know I, I just feel like I feel there there is a limit to how high they they can climb because there are so many of them out there, especially with the constant release cycle. You know, yep. and there's always the next biggest thing. So. Uh, you know, it's once you get to this point where you're at about 200 bucks a box. For example, it's really hard, I think, for a box like a Kaladesh box to sell for more than 200 when you could buy a box of um, uh, Modern Horizons for 190. You, you sure. see where I'm going with that? So yeah, yeah. I, I think you know people are like, well, they're out of print, they're going to climb forever. Well, I don't know about that. You know, the, you know, realistically, it's like, well, if you could buy, what would you buy? A box of Kaladesh for 180, or would you buy a box of uh, you know, Modern Horizons for 180. I'd buy the Modern Horizons. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's it's just a better product for your do- for your dollar at this point. So that's yeah. why I think these boxes are getting ready. At the, they're really getting to the sell point. So nice. 
Speaking of, of selling, too, I, I think we've said this in the past, but we'll repeat it again. If you have any core set 2020 rares or mythics that you want to get rid of, now is the time. Uh, the, the product is going to release officially this coming Saturday, uh, so this is the time to get rid of them. Those prices are only going to go down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good point. Good point. That's a good thought because uh, I know you may start to unload if possible. You're, I, you're I am, and I, I have. Oh, nice. <laughs> like, that took no time. It took no time at all. You know, honestly, I didn't really get anything of huge value. Basically, you know, I, I would suggest anything that's over $10 that you dump it, um, depending, you know, on your personal preference of on the card. But uh, in general, I'd say anything over $10 is a worthy target to, to get rid of. Uh, specifically, uh, mythic-wise, I would say uh, the Cavalier of Thorns is, is going for around 12 uh, The Omnath is, is uh, about 15 Soren for about 16 and the big, big, big money who spiked up this past week into the 40s, I believe, and then she dropped down, uh, Chandra, the Awakened Inferno. Yeah, the, the big mythic big Chandra. Team. Yep. She, yeah, even that, I don't know. I, I don't know if that can hold. It seems a bit much. No, no it's going to go I, down. I, I, so I would go ahead and sell those. I, the only other one worthy of, of selling, and what I sold just the other day, uh, Leyline of the Void. Of the of the ley lines, that's the only pricey one. Yeah, the ley lines are definitely something that uh, are, are are worth selling. They'll have, they always reprint them, and they like to seemingly reprint them in boxes that have weak land cycles. It's almost like you, you get these weak lands. They're like, oh, let's put the ley lines in there. They 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 increase the the EV of a booster box a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, they'll definitely be reprinted again and again. So you sell that, you take your you take your winnings when you can on those, for Absolutely. sure. And so you know what's ahead. right about the timing on that because I don't know if you remember, but um, relatively, so going back a, a year or so when we had uh, M19, the um, I don't know if you remember, but there was not at the time of release, there was not, or I want to say very shortly after release, not pre-release, but release. There was not a single rare card worth more than $3 in that entire booster box. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, holy cow, these prices get crushed on release day. So, uh, yeah, sell them as soon as you get them, you know, because you could buy them back probably for half as much in the not distant future. So good good advice on that one. Yes, sell away any of these big ones that you, you don't want. Um, Absolutely. Because they will go down. <laughs> I can't see it. <laughs> Gonna gonna happen. Uh, yeah, it's funny, you know, anything that's super pricey, it will go down. It's it's more than likely. I won't say absolutely. It's more than likely gonna go down over time. Yeah, probably um, nine out of ten times, it's gonna be maybe even more. Maybe like, you know, yeah, probably even more than nine out of ten. But yeah, and it's a, I was just looking today, and it, you know, it's this is a little bit of a different case, but same same idea. The Carnage Tyrant, who used to be the big big money at around thirty or so, uh, you know, he's about ten bucks now. Wow, so, the poor Carnage Tyrant. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I will say he and the thing that keeps his price where it is is there's a lot of casual appeal to him. Who doesn't want a Carnage Tyrant dropping in, in their board? You know, that's a can't be countered. Trample, trample, Hex Hex oh, he has everything that you want. I mean, that that. You know, but you're exactly right. That that just shows, you know, what happens to these things, especially when they rotate. 
Very good. Very good. I think that about wraps it up for the yeah. week. And uh, as always, want to point our, our uh, listeners to the website, mtgprofits.com. And uh, please feel free as well to send any uh, comments and or criticism to mtgprofits at gmail.com. And um, yeah, we look forward to uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And uh, as always, uh, as always, may all your picks be profitable. Have a great day, guys. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.